Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon and welcome to Collaborative Connections radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM Consulting. I'm your host, Kelly Lorenzen. We are coming to you live from the comforts of our home while Karen Nowicki is producing the show at Phoenix Business Radio X studio inside Max 6. Collaborative Connections is a radio series created to bring entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and associations together to build relationships, foster collaboration, and grow a stronger community together. Our hope for today is that listeners and guests alike will walk away with a golden nugget or a new resource for their business. The sponsor of our show, KLM Consulting, is an on-demand concierge marketing and project management firm with over 17 years of award-winning business savvy. Today, I have the honor of being in the studio of three amazing people. As usual, <laughs> I would love to introduce you to first, Mayor Corey Woods. Thanks for coming to the show today. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate you having me on today. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Thomas Barr, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks, Kelly. Excited for the conversation. Local First Arizona is one of my favorite associations as a member. <laughs> And Jihan Cottrell, Cox Business, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Kelly. I look forward to having a great discussion with you. You're great. Jihan and I have been friends for a long time in uh, the Tempe Chamber, and he's a huge advocate for small businesses and large businesses uh, So I and sponsorships and all. So I appreciate you, Jihan. I'd like to have everybody who doesn't know you, each of you, tell us a little bit about you, where you come from. This conversation, I'm hopeful, hopefully, will be lively. Um, like to cover some current events, obviously, your business um, and future endeavors we hope to do together. So tell me um, and for the listeners a little bit about your background, where you come from, and what you're working on right now. Corey, I'll start with you. Sure. So Corey Woods, a newly elected mayor of the city of Tempe. Uh, I previously spent eight years as a city council member uh, between 2008 and 2016 right here in Tempe. I grew up in uh, New Rochelle, New York, which is in Westchester County, uh, right outside of the Bronx. Uh, I moved out to the uh, to Michigan to go to school at the University of Michigan. I've got a bachelor's in uh, political science and a minor in African-American studies. Moved out to Arizona back in 2003 to pursue a master's at Arizona State University. Uh, and I've got a master's in educational policy studies and evaluation. And uh, just excited that I started as mayor on July 2nd. So this is my second full week as mayor and working on everything from uh, tackling police reform, talking about how to help our businesses get through the COVID-19 crisis, affordable housing, homelessness. So there's a whole bunch of things on my agenda. And I'm just really excited to work with the city council and our staff and our residents to, to get the job done and move the city forward. Sounds exciting. I can't wait to hear about it. Thank you so much. Thomas, tell us a little bit about you, where you come from, and, and local first. Sure. I am one of the very few uh, born and raised Arizonans. Um, they say about two-thirds of us are from another place, so we'll see. I know Corey's not from here. I'm not sure about the rest on the show today, but I'm usually the odd person out that is actually from here. Um, I grew up loving this place and wanted to commit myself to helping others love it too and build opportunity and equity um, in our state. You know, growing up through times, you know, I was a uh, freshman in college when the Great Recession hit and 
Um, it, it inspired me to commit myself to work towards building more local ownership opportunities for our communities. Uh, so I've been with Local First Arizona doing this work for eight years. And our work as the largest local business coalition in the country is to provide a voice for small businesses and resources and education for them, but to also work towards the really um, complex issues that exist in um, our economy and society that hinder us from having a really a fluid, strong local economy. Um, so I'm really passionate about uh, a wide variety of issues, but um, love the work uh, that we do at Local First. Uh, it provides me an opportunity to collaborate with a lot of really incredible people. You guys do some amazing things. And isn't it cool to see the silver lining or the positive things that come out of all of this, you know, that's happening right now. And you guys are doing a great job. So congratulations on that. Jihan, tell us a little bit about you, where you come from and uh, Cox Business. All right. So in the beginning, no, we won't go that far. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I moved to the Phoenix area about 21 years ago. I uh, met the love of my life, my wife, and we've been together ever since. We have four kids we've raised here, here in Arizona. I moved here from Salt Lake City, Utah, which I was glad to get out of as far as snow and things that I don't have any uh, snow recreation skills that I do. I don't ski or any of that. So I love the sun and love the winters here. Um, from a Cox business perspective, I mean, we are, you know, moving ahead. I think that all of our work that we've done as far as putting fiber in the ground and, and upgrading our network has, has come to fruition. Now you're seeing it as people are networking in, in different ways. And, you know, the internet has become kind of our lifeblood right now. I actually had to have a conversation with my kids to make sure that nobody's, you know, seamlessly streaming videos or whatnot, because I have an interview that I don't want, don't want to break up. So uh, when, when we look at, at the things that, that we've done, I think from, you know, my 15 years that I've, I've worked with Cox, I'm, I'm really proud of the company, what we stand for and, and what they've, they've been able to do. Now, moving forward is, as far as into this new normal, uh, Cox has uh, purchased a cloud solutions company. So we offer cloud solutions uh, from everything from Office 365, desktop as a service, things of that nature in order where, where you see us actually sitting right now. So I'm really excited for, for Cox business and, and what we can do in the in the future and, and especially for small business. Yeah, you guys are a huge help in our community and been an uh, advocate of Tempe Chamber and been on the board with all of us and, and yeah. we're thankful for for you and your dedication and for Cox for you know contributing. So thank you very much. So let's dive in. <laughs> I'd love to know, um, you know, there's a lot of current affairs going on. So, uh, Corey, I, you don't know me very well. We've met a few times, but uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a political person at all. <laughs> so I have, but I am a Tempe native um, I, and huge business advocate, uh, especially small business. I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time. So I'm thankful for, you know, when the cities and the and local first and, and chambers step in and, and help us as small businesses. So from your perspective, things that you're looking forward to, you know, what's what's coming, what are you changing, what are you hoping to see moving forward? 
um, and current events, you know, everybody, of course, police reform and, and Black Lives Matter and, and this COVID thing is all on top of everybody's mind. So from your perspective as a, as a human and as a um, you know, newly elected mayor, I'd love to know your perspective on a few of those things. Sure. Uh, so there are a number of things that we're working on right now. I actually just got off a call with the uh, CEO of the Tempe Chamber of Commerce, Ann Gill, right before we started here, talking about ways that the city could continue to partner with the Tempe Chamber of Commerce to support our local and medium-sized businesses during this time. Thomas and I were on a call just yesterday having a very similar conversation about things we could do uh, to support a lot of our businesses in the downtown area, but also all throughout the city of Tempe. And so I really consider these organizations, the Tempe Chamber of Commerce, Local First Arizona, they really are organizations that are partners with the city of Tempe and provide so many resources and so much support to a lot of our businesses. And so my perspective as mayor is we have to do whatever we can to treat them as partners and make sure that we recognize the tremendous amount of knowledge and assets they bring to the table. So I'm really looking forward to working with them, especially during COVID-19, where everyone has just been ravaged by not being able to go out as much as we you know, used to, to spend money in a lot of our same local establishments, to make sure, though, that a lot of our businesses that are currently struggling are still here when we come out on the other side of this. At some point, COVID-19 is going to be over and we're all going to uh, go back into the world like we once did. And we'll one day probably tell stories to our grandchildren about what this whole thing was all about. But at the end of the day, we still have to make sure that the businesses that we spend a lot of time at, with the restaurants I eat at, the dry cleaners I go to, all the folks that I tend to spend time with patronizing their establishments, that they will still be around when this is all over. And so that is one of my top responsibilities uh, as the mayor of the city. And just sort of on a brief other note, I mean, I'm also spending time working on homelessness and other human services initiatives. Clearly, we have a lot of people right now that are struggling financially because they're either unemployed or underemployed. Uh, many folks are on furlough, so they're not making uh, exactly as much money as they once did prior to this pandemic really setting in. So trying to do whatever we can to provide resources. And one of my big passions during my previous time on council was working on affordable housing and trying to make sure that there is quality affordable housing in the community, both rental and home ownership product, to make sure that we can really retain the diversity that Tempe really is truly known for. You can't be that kind of community if you don't have housing for everyone here of different backgrounds, demographics, and income levels. And so that's something else that I'm truly committed to as mayor of the city. That's great. I'm I'm excited for what's to come for sure. I appreciate that. Um, what is on? Um, what is the from your perspective and from the city's perspective? What is happening with the police reform? So we're currently working on some items internally right now. I actually was on a call less than two weeks ago uh, with a couple of our senior staff members talking about a very lengthy plan about how we're going to address this. And one of the interesting things is in our city, uh, you know, the police chief, our union uh, representative, those folks are all at the table during these conversations. We really want to have an open, transparent conversation about the best way to move forward collectively as a community. And we do plan on bringing city staff, Arizona State University, a lot of groups that have been uh, actively involved on this front uh, to the table. But we really want to have a bigger community conversation where all voices are heard, and we take a very thoughtful, reasoned approach to this. I, I've always told people that when folks will say, well, we just want you to uh, cut 20% out of the police budget, 
I don't, I can't ever commit to things like that because the reality is we have to really take a hard look at these budgets and think if there are, let's say, functions that are currently within the police department that might be better suited for a human services department, then we can take a look at potentially moving some of those resources over there to staff up in those areas. But just simply, I think, committing to uh, arbitrary dollar cuts or percentage cuts without really taking a much more uh, kind of 30,000 foot holistic view of things isn't the correct way to govern. And so at the end of the day, my perspective is we're, I'm going to really dive into this along with our city council and city manager and police chief and other department heads. But we're going to make the best decisions to, uh, you know, to move our city forward and make sure that we really are achieving the goals that we set out to achieve. Good. Sounds good. Thomas, what about you guys from your perspective? Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're hearing in the community for, I know you, you're pushing the Black Lives Matter a lot, um, and I love seeing your all of your posts. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so I'll try to <clears throat> tackle as much as I can. Um, you know, we're really viewing the the current state of, um, of our community as dealing with, you know, two huge global issues and, 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 and national issues, really. One is a uh, global pandemic that is um, uh, exposing some of the weaknesses that exist in how our economy is structured and the importance that as we recover from the challenges throughout the pandemic that we need to place a really high priority on centering um, local ownership and small businesses as part of our long-term economic revitalization plans should another catastrophe occur or a challenging times come about, we need to make sure that we're developing an economy that strengthens and helps small businesses um, uh, stay competitive and, and have strength, um, not only through challenging times, but through good times as well. Um, so over the last you know, four months, we have really been just trying to help save as many small businesses as possible. You know, there's a lot of small businesses that we're familiar with and we see all the time, those brick and mortar retail restaurant bars. You probably have the person that's been doing your nails or your hair um, that you you visit once or uh, a month or every other month. And, and those are the businesses we tend to really think about during a time like this that we see all the time. But there's also a lot of businesses that are struggling and have been that we don't see all the time like our home services, um, like hiring a carpet cleaning company to come to your home, or uh, let's say you're, you're planning on doing that remodel in your bathroom. Um, there's, a pers- there's a family out there that runs that business that had everything completely wiped out, right? No income coming in at all. So what's needed is partnerships, collaborations um, from a government perspective, from a private perspective, nonprofits, for-profits, to come together and integrate and work on solutions to help small businesses um, survive this pandemic. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to see every business make it out. Um, you know, a lot of businesses are continuing to evaluate their options, but we need to ensure that small businesses have the right resources and connections to the right resources. You know, until four months ago, uh, probably most small businesses didn't ever think they'd have to apply for emergency injury disaster loan from the SBA, you know? We, we're we Arizona, we don't have tornadoes and hurricanes and floods um, that, that wipe out areas of our state. And so navigating those systems is 
a real challenge. Um, you know, and imagine if there's a language barrier, if your if your first language is English or, or Chinese or something else. So we need um, to make sure that all of these grassroots organizations helping small businesses have support. It's not just local first. We've worked really closely with the Asian Chamber of Commerce, uh, with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, all of these great organizations um, that have these connections in the community. Um, and so really what we're trying to do is help these businesses get through this, this summer, get through this time so that we can start to, re to recover, we can start to build more resiliency long term uh, for our local economies. Now, at the same time, we're also dealing with um, the awakening of many people in our country uh, realizing that we are absolutely still dealing with um, 400 years of uh, racial oppression that our Black brothers and sisters uh, endure every single day. And it's the responsibility, in our opinion, at Local First Arizona for everyone to step up and make intentional actions to have conversations with your family and friends about what it means to support Black lives, but also what uh, steps you can take as an individual, as a business, as, a, as an influencer in the community uh, to support this movement, um, because it is critical for us as Americans to step up and do something about it. So one of the things that we're doing at Local First is we're encouraging people to consider moving their money um, out of big banks and into locally owned banks and credit unions. Not only by putting your deposits into a local bank, does that local bank have people here in the community that are lending more to small businesses, that have ties to the community that are connected right here. But when your dollars are invested in a bank that's far away, let's let's say you know one of the one of the big banks, those banks have a have a history and and, and a pattern of investing their dollars into things that aren't necessarily in the best interests of Black lives. A lot of banks have invested in private prisons for a very long time. Uh, they've participated in practices called redlining, where they will actually carve out areas of the community um, that would, they will not lend to for, for mortgages and, and homes and things like that. And so we're encouraging people to educate themselves about these issues. And um, actually, the week of July 27th through the 31st, we're running a week-long campaign called Move Your Money. Uh, where people can um, get connected to local banks and credit unions, um, take the pledge to, to put their dollars right here in Arizona and, and take a stand for racial justice at the same time. I think it's a, I think it's what you brought up is a really good point is there's ways that any of us can help in either of these things, right? So Corey mentioned from a, you know, from the government perspective, having everybody at the table, right? Um, somebody like me who I'm a philanthropist at heart. I wish I could be just that. <laughs> so I said, my husband says I need money for that. <laughs> um, but you know, for, so I'm, every month I'm thinking, what else can I do to give back? What can I, you know, what can I help in this, in this community? What can I do? I'm, I'm constantly, I grew up like that, right? I have a family of entrepreneurs and, and philanthropists. So to your point, actionable things, we need actionable things that we can do to help, right? That, that makes a difference for me. If you say to me, okay, move your money. Cool. Do, done. Like, just consider it done. You know, if you say, um, go support black owned businesses done, I've, you know, been there, done that been doing that my whole life. So it, it, I think it's good for people in your, um, for all of you to give 
others actionable items that we can do, you know, whether it's donating our time, like you said, there's a lot of people, Corey, that are, that are going to be homeless. Okay. So what, you know, communities and what organizations in Tempe can we volunteer, you know, where can we donate our time and money? So I think that's a huge thing, maybe a takeaway uh, for anybody listening and, and for future is, is all of us can provide something, whether it's our time, our money, our words, um, you know, getting behind doing actionable things. So I appreciate all of you saying, um, here's some things we can do to, you know, to change things because, because we need the change for whether we're talking about COVID or whether we're talking about Black Lives Matter or homelessness or any of that. So I appreciate you talking about the, the things that we can do. Kelly, can I add something to what Thomas said to just um, in full disclosure? I mean, I'm a member of the uh, a board member for Landings Credit Union, which is a local credit union here. And a lot of my accounts are there. My checking account is there. My campaign account was there. My car note is over there. So all of those things are with a local credit union. But the thing that I love the most about working with them, and it's not just because I'm a board member, it's the kind of personal service they give. They really do know their membership. People will tell me all the time that they're amazed that the that from everyone from the tellers to the senior administration actually know the people coming into the credit union. They, they know their first names. They call you on your birthday to wish you happy birthday. And I can tell you that a lot of the money they give out from a philanthropy standpoint absolutely stays in the city of Tempe in the communities that they currently have financial institutions in. And just a quick shout out to their, uh, you know, sort of new CEO, Brian Lee, who's been part of the organization for quite some time. When this, you know, when the George Floyd murder happened, uh, Brian actually reached out to me at one point and said, we really at the credit union would like to take a stronger stance in terms of supporting Black Lives Matter and talking about this issue in a very public way and participating in some kind of you know, social media campaign to show our membership and the larger community that we do stand in solidarity with the movement. Now, in the past, I think a lot of organizations would probably say, well, look, we have members from all different kind of political backgrounds and ideologies, so we don't really want to wade into that issue. We're a bank, so we don't need to get involved in such things. But the fact is, Brian realized that given the moment and his own personal values and the values that that credit union embodies, that they wanted to take a much more strong, forceful stance. And so I really appreciated the fact that, you know, that not only him, but the, the credit union really did stand in solidarity and they weren't, they weren't worried or concerned about bad PR or negative press. They were simply concerned about doing the right thing and really embodying the values that our community as a whole supports. I love that. I love, see, we need more of these stories. <laughs> so it makes me, I, my whole body has chills. You can't see it because we're on, on air. But I love that you stand in solidarity together and have those, and they're not worried about, uh, you know, oh, what if somebody, what if we lose clients? You know, what if we lose patrons? They've been a great, Landings Credit Union has been a great advocate and, um, you know, sponsor of the Tempe Chamber of Commerce. I mean, I've known them forever. You know, Margaret, Margaret Honeycutt and is a friend of mine, and and I think they're doing a great job. But but to have them stand like that, it's like you want to put your money like somewhere in a company like that. I know Jihan, you and I were talking about Cox as well. I think people need to hear what these bigger companies are doing so that they feel as a small business owner, it's okay too. 
you know, it's okay to say if these big companies can do it and, you know, and stand in solidarity, then, then we should be able to speak up our minds as well. I think you get a little, you know, you get nervous or scared, you know, oh, what's going to happen if, if we say something, but it's okay. It's kind of, it's, it's nice to have the example from these bigger organizations. And, and I would agree with that. I mean, from a, a Cox perspective, the things that we're dealing with, of course, were, you know, twofold. Uh, you have COVID that came out and a lot of things we did, not just for our, our residential customers, but uh, we basically took off some of the, the bandwidth requirements and things of that nature then uh, weren't charging people um, from a residential standpoint. And then you look at on the business side, we also had some other things that we were trying to either provide discounts and help small businesses as they get through, you know, certain times for, for uh, a couple months. So, and then you look at our responsibility as far as not allowing text to go into homes and continue to spread. So there's certain things that we did from an organization that we're making sure that, you know, from a COVID standpoint, that we're responsible and doing things responsibly within the community. And then uh, you look at our, the stance that was, as George Floyd happened, you, you know, I have to, hats off to, to the organization I work for. Because when you look at the leadership and Alex Taylor, who was the grandson of, of James Cox, he actually had an outstanding internal email that came out and talked about what we stand for and, and talked about how at Cox, we stand with police officers. We stand with Black Lives Matters. It, it, we're in this together and we need to find a way to, to actually get some, some resolution. So other things that, that we've done from, from an organization is actually have a couple of town halls. Uh, we had one actually today and so we won about two weeks um, after the Brooks incident in uh, Atlanta. I mean, after that happened, the, it almost brought me to tears just to get the response from the organization. And, and it was a video response that they actually came out and they hear the emotion from, from Pat Esther and, and our, our, our leaders and what they, you know, basically saying that, you know, we matter, I matter, you know, because the challenge that I had, and I know we talked about it, Kelly, is, you know, after all this kind of popped off, I had a conversation with my son and I never thought that I would ever have, you know, a conversation of that nature. You don't see yourself having that talk. So we had a conversation. He's 10, he's going to fifth grade and, you know, getting of that age. So, but it's, it's things like that, that when you work with an organization and we stand for certain things, and, and like you said, once you have the large organizations actually take a stance and you see the sea change, and, and I'm, I'm amazed at how much it's changing and how much it's actually moving forward. So excited to see where where our new normal will be in kind of I love that from a business perspective what about the the economy moving forward Corey is there stuff that we can do as a community um, and businesses to to help that what are your what are you advocating for yeah so absolutely I think there's things that we can do um you know, one of the things I remember, you know, I mentioned uh, talking about my my board membership with Landings Credit Union. I'm gl- so glad you mentioned Margaret Honeycutt, who's was oh, an exceptional CEO, and she was the one who actually recruited me for that board ten years ago now, which I can't believe it was that long ago. But I I still remember my meeting with her over in the old Riazzi's restaurant, where she talked about joining the then Tempe Schools Credit Union board. So uh, so big shout out to Margaret if she's watching. Uh, but I was going to say, yeah, we have a big uh, we have, there's a lot of initiatives. Um, that's part of what I was actually discussing with Ann Gill was how do we find ways to partner to 
let people know that there are businesses that are still operating currently that still have the same goods and services on hand? How do we make sure that our residents and even frankly residents in surrounding Valley cities know that they're still open for business and that we need to make sure that people find ways to support them? If you're comfortable going to a restaurant uh, to go pick up curbside, then we would hope that you would actually go do that. And we really need to encourage people to do that. I know, you know, organizations like Local First Arizona, you know, really talked about, you know, in Tempe, you know, Takeout Tuesday to make sure that, you know, to call attention to the fact that, hey, on Tuesday, let's try to make sure that we go pick up curbside takeout from one of our favorite local eateries to make sure that they're still generating income. But I think that, and then I think there's other things too, even when I look at though, from a bigger picture standpoint, Tempe is a huge hub for class A office space in the Valley. And one of the things I've actually been having conversations with our economic development staff about and a couple of council members and people in the community is, what is that really going to look like in sort of the aftermath of COVID-19? There are a lot of companies that are talking about not really sending their employees back to a real office space once this is over, either because they've realized that they're getting the same or even more productivity out of their employees working from home, or, or frankly, you've got employees who are saying, I don't want to go back to that kind of environment because I'm concerned about my own health and well-being. So one of the things that I've been asking folks who approach me and talk about, I've got a project that's still got a ton of uh, Class A office space, and I know a lot of these projects were developed prior to COVID-19, but saying, is that really still the direction that we want to go in as a business community is promoting all of that sort of large scale office space when quite honestly, the model behind how people choose to do business may really be changing in a serious way moving forward. It's not to say that we don't ever need to build another single uh, piece of Class A office space in the community, but it's really looking at what that percentage might be, what the appropriate mix is, because we can't just sort of continue to carry on as if COVID-19 hasn't happened and as if people aren't going to be making a lot of changes in its wake. Absolutely. I, I know from a commercial um, construction perspective, my husband is an electrical contractor, um, as well as a Phoenix firefighter, but he is saying it's business as usual. Everybody acts like it's nobody, you know, COVID-19 is not happening. They're, you know, going crazy. So it's definitely worth looking at and doing it pretty quickly, I assume, you know, what, what's going to happen with all that office space and turning it into, people are still going to need to collaborate though. I mean, no. You know, people still need to come together. We still want to are going to eventually want to see each other. You know, we work better um, together and face to face. So that's definitely not going to, like you said, it's never going to go away. But it sounds like if they're if the construction industry keeps going the way it's going, they're just going to, like you said, they're just going to keep going as if nothing's happening. But it probably needs to be switched up a little bit. Yeah, it it does. And my in my perspective too. I mean, clearly, I mean, speaking from a position as a a, a just raging extrovert over here. Uh, it is very tough not being able to see people, <laughs> shake hands and hug everyone. Uh, uh, you know, for someone like me uh, who, you know, uh, was getting over a, a recent bout with COVID-19, the notion of having to quarantine and be in my own home by myself for weeks on end, uh, there is no worse punishment for someone like me than having to be completely removed from human interaction. So that is something that we clearly all need. And I and, and I think that uh, 
you know, we are going to continue to need spaces to collaborate. We, we do need to see people in person and experience human touch and looking at someone and reading their body language in sort of a real-time way. But I think there are going to be some things that are going to change, and there probably will be some fundamental shifts in our economy and how we all interact with one another, uh, even after there's a vaccine and the pandemic is a thing of the past. So is that why you took your office ceremony from home? That is why, actually. So uh, I, we were planning on doing a, um, so there, it, it, was, it was sort of a twofold thing. One, it was that the governor, two days before the uh, swearing-in ceremony was planned, announced that they were beginning to shut down bars and gyms for another 30-day period. So that was also a sign that there was a real spike in the numbers in Arizona. And so the city began to kind of rethink, is it really the right image that we want to be sending that? City government's been closed for a number of months, but we're just simply reopening it to have this one ceremony. So that was part of it. But uh, but definitely there was the other part that uh, my own diagnosis, which happened the day before the governor made the announcement. And of course, I realized there's no way I can actually uh, be in public when I'm on quarantine. So, uh, you know, the decision was made because of a, a whole multitude of factors, my diagnosis being one of them, that we were simply going to do the ceremony online and I think it was just it was just fine. It wasn't the same as being in public and having a huge crowd. But at the end of the day, uh, I didn't you know work as hard as I did for one day and for one ceremony. I did it because there are really important public policy matters that are in front of us. There's true uh, opportunity now for systemic change, and that's why I ran for the job, and that's why I'm so excited to have it. That's great. I love hearing that. Uh, anybody else having um, personal experience with with COVID? Any any family members? Yeah, my mother in law was actually diagnosed. Fortunately, she's or she's good. Uh, she's actually come out of it. But it was it was kind of a scary time because you didn't you know you didn't know. You start you know having those questions and and it's hard. Like Corey said, it's hard to quarantine when it's somebody that's in your family and you used to you know and you just have those those challenges of, of, you know, what to do and what not to do and how not to offend and things of that nature, you know, especially because she's my mother-in-law. So that's doubly, right? If I offend her, then of course my wife is going to be offended. So, you know, I, I got to make sure I, you know, step lightly. But um, to, to Corey's point, I mean, I, I, I agree that there's going to be a, a change and a fundamental shift. And, and I think we've seen it, especially in, in the chamber, you know, being, uh, serving as the chair and, and having, you know, tough conversations and decisions as we were going through something that was so fluid and, and very ambiguous at the time. But just dealing with with the initial instance of, of COVID and kind of as things changed and we started doing virtual events and, and having success with that, I'm, I'm actually excited to see what the new normal is going to be. Because when you look at, you know, the ability to... Um, maybe go to an event or be a part of an event from wherever wherever you're at. Maybe we have hybrid type of, uh, of situations and, and connections. I'm, I'm actually excited to see what our events are going to be, what they're going to look like, you know, after everything comes out. So I think there's going to be some opportunity. And on another note, I mean, with my kids and, and the technology that they're using, they're actually using Teams and, you know, my son's in fifth grade and, and the things that he's going to be able to learn I'm excited for that as well, you know, because, you know, he's always, he's, you know, actually came in and, you know, we were comparing notes, if you will, because I was on a team meeting and, and he's 
came back and oh, I have that. And he gets all excited when his friends call him and they do a team call and they talk about their homework and everything else. So, I mean, for, from a, from a technology standpoint, there's, there's so many things that, that we can do. And I think that we weren't actually utilizing, but now we see because we're made to sit in these four walls by ourselves and have thoughts and, you know, and how we are going to connect and how we're going to do this and how we're going to make this thing work. So uh, I, I think with the, the resolve of, of, not only Tempe, but I, I, I just think our our nation, I think it's there and we'll find a way to actually get through this and actually come out better. I think so too, especially with the help of everybody, you know, all the people that are pushing for it. Um, even online, you know, social media is obviously one of the things that I that I do, but it's neat to see the the use of it for positive change, right? To talk about things, whether it's wearing a mask to protect everybody, you know, um, or whether it's supporting, um, you know, hey, did you know that there's, you know, 15 um, small businesses in Tempe that are all owned by, you know, have our black owned businesses? Like, how cool is that, that they can list out everything and we go, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I already knew that. We support them. Oh, good. I didn't know that. Let's, you know, oh, I'll buy my coffee from, you know, a local company instead of outside. So, I love, um, you know, another silver lining. We all used to say social media was going to be the death of us, right? But I think it's a, it's a positive thing in that we can stay connected. Obviously, you know, we need that right now, <laughs> extrovert and all, right? <laughs> um, but also uh, for pushing those things that people may not know, right? If we are all at home and we're not in talking to everybody all the time, well, then what do we need to know? We need to know that there's, you know, uh, local companies that are struggling, okay, or changing your money from, you know, somewhere else to, to buying local or so there's a, I love the social media push that everybody's hopefully using it for <laughs> is, um, is good positive, you know, feedback and, and pushing those stories out, right? Pushing the stories of, hey, um, my had this conversation with my child. I didn't think I'd ever have to have that, you know, and here's what happened. Here's what came out of it. I really think we need to continue to push those stories of whether it's Black Lives Matter or small businesses in the local community, keep pushing that or wearing masks to protect yourself. You know, my husband's seeing so many, so many sick people um, with COVID, you know, and luckily he's protected wearing masks. So I think I just would hope that um, my call to action would be to continue to use social media for a positive change, you know, continue to use your voice and, and talk about those things so that we can hopefully change a few, a few lives and, and help people. Thomas, you had talked about earlier about supporting small businesses. What can the community do um, right now to do that? I think Corey touched on a lot of it. Um, I think it's about being proactive about thinking through unique ways that you can support businesses. You know, I think we all tend to navigate toward um, supporting businesses through takeout, curbside pickup uh, for, you know, restaurants, food, that kind of stuff. It's great. We want to keep continuing doing that, but also thinking through um, other ways that you can do so as well. Um, keeping your memberships for local um, organizations like art organizations and things like that. Um, is there a home project you're working on or you're going to be doing um, that you can reach out and, and support a local business with? And just having those conversations with families and, and, and friends and, and, and thinking of ways um, that you could be proactive about it. Um, that might not be 
the the typical ways you can do it um, is something that we're talking about and influencing as well. From a Cox perspective, what are you guys thinking is the future? What does the future hold for uh, supporting? you know, everybody, especially at home, <laughs> talk about remote working. Tell us a little bit about what you're hearing from a Cox perspective as far as working from home and what you guys are going to do for moving forward. Well, I think this has uh, presented us with the challenge of having to look at our, our business continuity planning and what that means from a, a perspective of not only a large business, but also small business. What, what are you going to do in in the case of how will you stay connected, how will you keep your workforce connected and productive. Um, so from from what we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of things are transitioning from on-site to the cloud, a lot of mobility features as far as phone phone features, phone system services, things of that nature. Uh, so it, it's where the pendulum is shifting. These things have been here for a while. I mean, we all know that the cloud has is, is been on the uptick for probably the last 10, 15 years. Um, but now it's prevalent and it's in front of us and it's facing us. So what are we going to do and how are we going to uh, provide solutions for it? So uh, from a cost perspective, that that's what we're um, looking at. That, that's what we're trying to provide and ask our customers as far as, you know, what they're, you know, what's on their, their whiteboard, what projects do they have coming up? What are their, you know, uh, from a 30,000 foot view, where are they going and, and what are their plans in, in case, something happened because I don't think anybody really expected to escalate as it did, but it did and we're here now. So what are some of the solutions that we can do or what, what are some of the solutions that we can put forward to make sure that businesses are, are solvent and they're still able to be productive? And then Thomas brought up a, a good point. I, I think from a, 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 a as far as keeping memberships and, and looking at that, making sure that we're staying engaged in, in, in the local economy, that's very important. Um, I think about, you know, our local local taco shop that, you know, I always call my buddy because that's one of our favorite places. You know, that's like our go-to. From other items, when, when you think about what, it, and it kind of comes back to the, the, the chamber perspective, we had a lot of large organizations actually step up and either pay memberships earlier, upgrade their membership, or do certain things because they saw the, the value that the, the chamber was actually providing for the at the time, everything was going off. The information that you were that you were given and getting from the chamber was valuable. It was it was something that you could actually take and move forward. And some of the connections that they made with between the city, uh, local first com community organizing, and things of that nature were very, dare I say, it was, I mean, it, it was groundbreaking. And it really kind of shattered every expectation that I thought that I thought happening, you know, in, in lives. It's like when you look at something, you're like, wow, we accomplished that. That's Amazing. So, given uh, where we're at, I, I think that's one of the most important things to make sure that we're staying engaged, that we're continuing to, to reach out to folks, whether it's being an extrovert. Yes, I, you know, I miss my networking events. I miss the people that I work with because I, I'm usually not the, you know, guy that sends an email or IM or whatnot. I come by and I walk by your desk and I say, hey, how you doing? You know, and and those types of things. So I miss that and you know my my tribe and and my people, but. What, what I try and do is stay connected and make sure I either have phone calls, ping them on. Now I ping them on IM because I have to, and it, it sometimes can be challenging, but for the most part, it, that's, that's what we're working on. You talked about um, helping people that may not have the connectivity um, when this first started. Is that something that Cox is still doing, the supporting those people that may not otherwise be able to afford the connectivity? 
Yeah, so we do have uh, it's connected connected to Pete, which is basically a, a program that we, that we offer to reach for low income um, families that, that qualify for it. So it's it's a way for especially kids because it's usually provided through through schools or um, the information is, is given through, through the school system. But it's, it's a program that allows families to be connected, make sure that especially in the trend that we're going where you know, schools are going to be virtual, so that that can be a big push to just be coming from That's great. It's such great news when you have people coming together to do that. I love that. Um, so on a whole nother note, tell us, um, each of you, you know, we have a lot of, not a lot of extra time, but, but some people have some extra time because they're not commuting anywhere, right? So tell us um, if we had time is you have a favorite book or a podcast that you listen to um, or that you've read lately that people in the business community should be should be reading. Corey, are you reading anything good lately? You know, honestly, I have spent so much time reading things um, that are sort of city related. I have not had the, I have not really taken the opportunity to read anything from a leisure standpoint, which I probably should. And whenever I'm not reading documents uh, from a city or work standpoint, I'm probably just watching TV and trying to practice some form of escapism. So I probably uh, watched, I would say, probably a third of the content on Netflix at this point. So I'm just, <laughs> so, so I, I wish I had some magical book I could recommend to everyone out there watching this, but I unfortunately don't have one. But hopefully, uh, hopefully the other two folks do have one. <laughs> Thomas, you've been reading anything good lately? I've I I tried to get in at least a couple books here and there. I'd say the one that I've been recommending a lot over the last year is um, so uh, we are a part of a, a group called the National Community Reinvestment Coalition. Um, they're based out of Washington D.C. and they're uh, they're an organization that helps uphold the Community Reinvestment Act, which was put into place after the Great Recession to ensure that the banks uh, throughout the country were held to certain standards as far as investing back into the community. So it measures um, and gives them a score to remain banks uh, regarding how much they donate back to the community, um, board service in the community, things like that. And I attended their conference uh, back in March 2019 and was able to hear a woman speak. Her name is Mirsa Baradaran, um, and she's a writer and a professor. Um, and she wrote a book called The Color of Money, Black Banks and the Racial Wealth Gap. Um, and it's an incredible book that actually walks through the history of the United States and our banking system and how the structure of the banking system has actually disproportionately um, been set up and created as a system to favor white communities over others. Um, it's really, really insightful and, and, and an incredible um, book um, to read. And I've read it a few times. I continue to recommend it. And I think, uh, especially right now, it's, it's a really good dive for those that are looking to learn more because there's so many different systems and, and things that we're, we're hearing about and and I think it's it's an incredible book with a lot of factual pieces regarding how our banking system is actually structured. So I, I've been a I've been a local banking nerd now for for seven or eight years at, at local first. So I geek out about that kind of stuff. 
<laughs> we all have to have our thing, right? <laughs> Dion, do you have any um, recent books you've loved or um, suggestions for people? Well, right now I'm working on the five dysfunction of, of teens, which is, what is it, Patrick Ischioni, I believe. Um, and, and it talks about that, that you need that, basically, metal sharpens metal. So you need some type of dysfunction and... To be able to correct it. Yeah. So you, you just need to be able to go through it. And, and it's, I guess, a time that, that we find ourselves in right now. It's, it's fitting that, that you see ourselves actually sharpening and, and looking. And to, to Thomas's point, as far as looking at some of the the historic, I guess, impediments that, that have been in place for, you know, uh, for Black people and people of color just in, in general. I, I would recommend if anybody has time to watch something on Netflix, you can look at uh, 13. And that was still an, an amazing just the informational history of, of policing and our criminal justice system and what it has meant over over the years and, and over um, ever since you know the emancipation so when there's information out there right now I, I think it's the challenge that we find is yes we're reading memos we're going through certain things we find ourselves full sharing so much during the day but definitely finding time to, to make sure that you're broadening and then making yourself aware of, of things that really matter. If we're going to move forward and make any progression, we got to make sure that we have an informed citizen and we're dealing with, you know, the facts and, and based on our history and, and what is prevalent in the world. I'm an auditory learner. So when you tell me I'd love uh, either audiobooks or to watch something like that, because I'm not a, I'm not political and I'm not a history buff. I like, but I like, it helps me to learn easier if I watch stuff like that. So, so I'll and, definitely have to watch that. And one other plug I'll give is, uh, is Jane Elliott. If you get a chance to either YouTube or watch some of her interviews, I mean, she is amazing. And when I hear her speak and talk about, you know, just race and, and racism, you know, she's, you know, a smaller little, little white lady. And, and when she has a conversation and she talks about, uh, Martin Luther King and, and the death and what that meant to her. I mean, I've watched probably 10 interviews and every single time she starts to talk about it, she tears up. And you can tell it's not, I mean, she literally is like, wow, she's really dealing with that in, in a different way. And it hits her, you know, because she lived through it and she talked about, you know, what they were doing at the time. They were actually, she was teaching a lesson about Martin Luther King and everything else. But I mean, just amazing to hear her talk about race and, and what it means and, and once we get past the actual race of you know she basically says there's only one race and that's the human race so once we can actually start looking at it from from that perspective and having conversations and and finding commonality then i think we're definitely i love that I, we've been talking a lot with our kids too and i i think sharing those stories with your children and with your friends and and having those conversations is going to be a huge movement forward, you know, help the movement, right? Help it is the more we talk about it with friends and the more we talk about it with our kids. And hopefully we keep, we keep pressing our fingers that it's going to be better the next generation, right? But it, we can actually do something about it by what we're teaching our kids. And it's funny because they're always listening, right? You think that you're like, oh my gosh, they never, you know, kids never listen to you. But um, I loved it because I've had so many conversations with people 
Um, my son brought me uh, his iPad and showed me three t-shirts that he created for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, he, you know, created them and, and uh, said, Mom, can we print these? Can we get these made? I want to wear it to the grocery store. Then, you know, we're not going anywhere, right? So he's like, where can I wear it? I want to wear it. And I want to create one. I just, I love that, that you can think that you're doing something, but when you see it in, or hear it in your kids, you're like, okay, phew, at least I'm doing it. <laughs> at least I'm doing a good job, or at least they're listening to something good out of it. So I think that's another thing is talking about, you know, um, the next generation and what we're telling, what's the story we're going to tell and what, you know, what are we having the conversations with our kids about? Karen is on um, producing for us and she's on the background saying, talk about the, the racism and small business and the arts podcast. So that's another thing people can, can look up uh, that that's, she's doing um, on Phoenix Business Radio X. So they're doing a series and I think that's worth the listen as well. Um, we are at almost the top of the hour. Can you believe it? It's been almost an hour. <laughs> it goes by so fast. So in a few minutes of closing, is there something, each of you, I'd like to tell us, is there something I missed? Is there something you wish I would have asked you? Is there something you want to share with everybody before we close? Corey? No, I, I think it was a very expansive interview, and I just really appreciate the opportunity to be on today. The biggest thing I would say to people as well is that, and I talked about this during my swearing-in speech a couple of weeks back, is that we're going to be fine. This is a really tough time. It's nerve-wracking. I can't imagine how challenging it is for people who are small business owners, who have sunk their entire lifetime fortunes into these businesses to make them work, and they're experiencing an incredible amount of hardship. But at the end of the day, I can promise that, you know, this too shall pass at some point. We just have to do the best that we can to protect one another and support one another during this time. And the other thing I would, I would just say, too, coming from kind of a city standpoint as well, is sometimes there's this trepidation and frustration around mask policies and things of that nature. But the reality is your local government isn't telling you to do these things because they're trying to make your life difficult or because they're trying to harass you. We're doing it because we're really trying to stop the spread of a very serious virus and also avoid another shutdown. The last thing we need is all of our local small businesses that we support and that we love and we know the people who run and own and operate them to be shut down again because we see yet another spike in the cases here in Arizona. So if we're asking you or telling you to wear a mask when you go out in the public, it's because we're simply just trying to get this situation under control so our small business people and our business community in general can continue to thrive and so we don't have to once again shut down Arizona's economy. So that's the one thing I'd like to leave listeners with today. Great point. Hugely important for people to understand the why, right? Is when I tell people to wear a mask, it's not just from anywhere. It's because my family's in medicine. My husband's a, you know, a fireman and seeing the, seeing those numbers and seeing that it does help him, you know, stay protected. And, and so that they, you know, there's a hundred firefighters in Phoenix that are off right now with COVID. Well, what happens if we have no more firefighters to come get you, whether it's, you know, a COVID emergency or you break your arm or your child is sick, 
right? So it's it's not just to protect yourself, it's to protect others, but it's also so that we're not overloaded at the hospitals, right? It's not so, um, so that that's a great point. Thank you so much for, for saying that, Corey. Jihan, tell us anything that you'd like to let listeners know or something I didn't mention. I think we really covered it all. And I, I agree with Corey that we will come out on this uh, on the other side stronger. It's definitely, um, as you see the changes in how we're adjusting through you know, the use of technology and, and the internet, of course, um, that I, I think we're going to continue to actually push forward and, and make a way for this company. That's right. We just got to keep remembering the silver linings, right? <laughs> Every day, what's the silver lining today? Thomas, what about you? Anything that I missed or you wanted to last minute thoughts? I don't think so. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I think we had some great points today. And yeah, I agree. Um, You know, we're all going to come out of this uh, together. So we just got to keep working, working together on solutions. Um, So appreciate being here today. Thank you so much. So tell us while we have you on, Thomas, how can somebody get a hold of you? So I just at local for com or on any social media channels look for local first arizona and get in touch we'd, we'd be happy to work with you thank you so much Corey. how can people get a hold of you uh the quickest way is through my city email which is Corey c-o-r-e-y underscore woods at tempe.gov thank you so much you were so quick to respond i appreciated it when you when i asked you to be on <laughs> At least, you know, I'm practicing what I preach. So, <laughs> Jihan, how can people get a hold of you and Cox Business? Easiest way is probably email. It's Baron, B-A-R-O-N.Cottrell, C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L, at Cox.com. And yes, that's my father's name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for being on. What a great show. I hope people got um, as much out of it as I did. Before we end today, I just wanted to say thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedules. I know you're all very busy to share some some light and love to everybody. Um, I appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Collaborative Connections radio show and podcast sponsored by KLM Consulting. Tune in the third Thursday of every month at 1 p.m. Until next time, happy connecting. 